What's good, everyone? Welcome to the Filipinos of Montreal podcast, Filipino Heritage Month series. I'm Terry. And I'm Shari. And today joining us, we have Chelsea Capistrano. Chelsea, how's it going? Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> We're so pleased to have you. So, so let's uh, let's start with like a little like icebreaker. Um, I want to know, you know, because, you know, Chelsea, I know you're into music or whatever, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> What are you guys listening to at the moment? Oh, man. Um, So I guess my rotation, okay, this is really embarrassing. The (laughs) ones, I only really play one song nowadays, and that's when I go running. (gasps) Oh my God, tell me. Yeah, I want to know. By Flume, I think it's called The Difference. See, it's so embarrassing that I only listen to one song and I don't even remember the name of the song, but Flume's latest song with Toro y Moi. Okay, Flume. Yeah, well, sometimes Uh, you need that one song to get you going, right? So that's your song. Hey, by by all means. What Um, about you, Terry? I recently discovered, what was it, uh, Blue Lights by Georgia Smith? Classic. Yeah, love, love, love. I was telling him too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm a bit so late on that. But uh, yeah, love her vibe, love her flow. So I'm enjoying that right now. How about you, Shari? Oh, I've been going running too. And um, <laughs> Lady Gaga just released a whole house dance music uh, yeah. album. And I'm not really a house person, but like, it's such a great album to run to. Especially with like the peaks and like climax of the song, and it's just like okay, gotta run. <laughs> so um, yeah. that's on full rotation at the moment. So that's so, what it is. I gotta say, you guys put me to shame. I gotta start running now. So <laughs> <laughs> baby steps. Baby yeah, steps. totally. All right. So um, Chelsea, tell us about yourself. You are. Um, have you always lived in Montreal? Like, are you born and raised in Montreal? Um, no, actually, I was born in the Philippines, but um, I grew, I moved here when I was five. So I basically grew up here. Um, and yeah, I guess, I don't know what we were expecting from this answer, but um, <laughs> like, I guess growing up, I've always been like really, really whitewashed. And I'm like the first one to admit it, like for the whole of elementary and the whole of high school. You know, I went to a private school with a student body that was predominantly white. Um, So it was only until like the end of SAGEP or like the beginning of university that I started to get more involved with the Filipino community. So. And and what, um, what triggered that? Like, how did you, how did you get your little entry to the Filipino community here in Montreal? Um, I guess I, in SAGEP, I went to Dawson and I met a lot of Filipino people. Actually, no, I met one, because I'm not, like, the person who, like, talks to the person next to you. Like, I don't make friends that easily in class. (laughs) I just go there to listen. But I did meet um, my friend, and she introduced me to all of her other Filipino friends. And, yeah, from there, I guess, when I joined university, I found Mufasa, like, the Filipino student organization and from there I just became more and more involved as much as I can. Nice and can you tell us about Mufasa and like your involvement with Mufasa? Yeah so Mufasa again is the McGill student organization for Filipinos 
at McGill. Um, and we often host, you know, um, events pertaining to the Filipino culture, whether that be by um, having boodles or um, bake sales where we sell, you know, Filipino goods. Um, but really what impacted me the most about Mufasa is yes, the events, but also the team, like the executive team, like we just bonded so much. Um, and yeah, so that was like, I guess my shoe in like the whole Filipino community engagement. Yeah, I, I like, I love seeing this like a uh, like surge of like Filipino clubs happening in university because I never had that growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have you seen like I don't know like a change from young people from uh, your involvement uh, at Mufasa? Like, yeah, like young people getting involved in the community. I guess like Mufasa, it does center just around um, it centers around like the university setting. And we don't really get to see whether or not that's impacting the younger generation. So like the people still in Tijet or the people in high school. Um, but I know that like, you know, like those spotted pages for university students in like Tijet. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think like there was one example at John Abbott and people were like shouting out Mufasa and how they were excited to just go to McGill so that they can just join Mufasa. And I thought that- oh, I love that. I love that, but at the same time, it made me a little bit sad that, yeah. that there's no cultural clubs like that or there's no Filipino clubs like that. And that, you know, you don't have to go to McGill to be exposed to that kind of stuff, but they felt like that was the case. And I feel as though we as a community should do more for them. Yeah, for sure. Like I went to Abbott as well and I probably sympathize with that person like having to be excited to go to another school so I could finally be myself you know like Terry did you have that experience as well? Growing up again I I lived in the uh, South Shore and there wasn't much exposure or accessibility to Filipino culture and I think the first time I was really exposed is when I went to uh, a basketball game in Cotonej when I was like maybe 13 or 14 and then I started playing baseball on McKenzie Park. It took a long time. And yeah, and I'm happy now that it, it is becoming more accessible with all these entrepreneurs coming out with their restaurants and whatnot. And I want to see more, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Chelsea, I had a quick question for you. So with all this in mind, was that also a motivating factor that led you to starting Baha'i with your group of friends? How did that come up? Um, so Baha'i, so... It actually originated as like a a merger between two McGill clubs. Um, And I guess it was a response to the lack of Asian artists or like Asian music in the music industry. Um, And we wanted to tackle that solution. And already in Montreal, there's so many Asian artists, but we don't know about them. And so we wanted to give them a platform. Um, And we try to do that by hosting events that featured mostly, you know, Asian artists, but also on our social media page, you know, we're a very like social media heavy company, I guess, or group or organization. Um, And on there, we really do try to highlight as many Asian artists as we can because of the lack, not just in Montreal, but in Canada and the whole music industry. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I love that you guys are doing this. Um, I think it's, uh, it's great that somebody's really taking the time to expose a lot of Asian artists. Uh, mm -hmm. Speaking of uh, artists that are on the Montreal scene, is there anybody that you're like mm. really in love with right now or that you're a big fan of to want to give a shout out to? Um, so my friend Laura makes music. She started coming out with singles very recently. So she's very new to the music scene. I love listening to her music, very calming. Like if you want to just chill and just have an easy day, like you would listen to her music. Um, Sophie Chen also makes really great music. And I have to shout out Lil Waterboy. He's the founder <laughs> of Baha'i. Um, he makes great music. Um, he makes very like edgy rap music and that's really pushing, you know, what I'm trying to say is that there's so little like emo rap artists in the music industry right now. Um, and just the fact that he as an Asian, he's trying to make it, making music in that genre. Um, yeah, it's just really inspiring. And that's why he's one of my favorite artists as well. Nice, thanks for that. Um, I think the last, the first time I met you, I saw you as a DJ at Riverside. Was that always something that you were passionate about? <laughs> That's... Actually, no. Um, funny thing, and this is a story that I love to tell. <laughs> it just explains why I'm so bad at it too. But um, I learned how to DJ maybe five days before that show. Are like, you serious? Like, yeah. Wow. I had only touched my DJ controller like five days for that show um, and it was just something like it was the summer and I wanted to learn something new um, and I knew I was performing um, for like a good month but I really only touched my DJ controller like five days before because I had school and I wanted to focus on that but also I was like procrastinating anyways um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so it, just, it was just something I wanted to learn as a hobby Recently, I haven't really been playing around with my controller. I just like trying new things. Love that. I think we need more Asian DJs, female <laughs> DJs. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, my friend Eva, her artist name is Nare. She is amazing. Um, I've been going to her shows for like the past two years now and each time I see her, she's improved a lot. So at Nare, mm. if you want an Asian female DJ from Montreal. You know what? I think you're gonna need to give us like a list and then we'll put that, we'll put it in the caption so that people could find them and so that sure. more people could know about all, you know, the artists that you just name dropped. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, are we ready for our last segment, Terry? Or oh, did you? I, I had one question. I'm curious yeah, about. Yeah, go for it. First of all, I know Chelsea you mentioned you're not. You, you said you're not the type of person that, you know, makes friends with the person next to you. But I think you're one of the nicest people I've ever met. There's oh. one funny story I have. Uh, Ooh, one time I was with my family. We were, I think, at Amigos, oh. right? <laughs> and I, I recognized Chelsea. She recognized me. So I said hi, and we did like you know the hug and whatnot. And then she comes to me. Hey, where do I know you from? I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> but that's how much you trust in Filipinos. You know, it's like we know each other on some level. So, like, I'm telling you, I really like your vibe. Good energy from you all the time. I've seen you. <laughs> but, yeah, going back uh, from your experiences as, uh, as a kid, um, were you always comfortable being Filipino? You mentioned you're always, you weren't around uh, a lot of Filipinos growing up. 
did that play into um, shaping you in a way? Um, yeah, so like I said, you know, growing up in elementary and high school, my school was predominantly white. I think there was like one other Filipina in high school. I mean, my high school was small relatively to other high schools, but there was only like one other Filipina. Um, and, you know, in high school, you don't have the tools to really speak up or even notice when things are happening to you that are obviously problematic or they are obviously problematic now, but you didn't know it before because you don't have the tools to realize that the things being done to you were not good. And also you don't have the tools to like speak up about it. Um, so I guess like growing up, I was just used to like wanting to fit in and fitting in meant making fun of me and you know like making fun of myself and really finding all the Filipino stereotypes that you can think of and like saying that and then making fun of it and making fun of yourself in order to fit in and then I guess like in Sejap like I realized it more and more like you read articles online about people's encounters with racist people and like your friends talk about how like oh yeah this one day like I had this dude like get mad at me and he was totally racist and you hear these stories and you become really mad because obviously it's frustrating to hear it but then it's um, it's like a whole other thing actually experiencing it but knowing it this time like knowing that it's problematic mm -hmm. um so like an example of that is in Sejap um I had a prof he was white male and he was he's from Quebec and I didn't like I thought he was a decent teacher until one day he brought in a guest lecturer um and she was like minding on her own business she was like teaching her course her course material and then she said like um housework like part of her paragraph was like housework she just said housework and then out of nowhere my my teacher was like oh haha was she Filipina? Like out of oh. nowhere, like no one asked oh. you to speak. Like it wasn't even your turn to speak. It was like the guest lecturer teaching her material. And wow. it was then that, I guess it was like a turning point for me. And that shaped me into, I guess like it taught me the importance of speaking up. Um, and like up to this day, like I will admit, I'm like nine times out of 10, like I'm not the most vocal person in the room, but I do try um, my best to, you know, be vocal about things when things are obviously problematic, you know? And so I guess experiences like that has shaped me. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say earlier, thanks so much for sharing that. Um, yeah. It's it's crazy because right before we got on air, me and Shari were talking about that too, because you came up uh, in the uh, mid, late 90s, I guess, early 2000. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I came up in the uh, yeah, sorry, early 90s, late 80s, and was very similar. I've also felt what you felt. I, I've shared that where, because I was the only minority, it became like strength in numbers. To, to fit in, I needed to kind of disassociate myself from my own culture and adapt theirs, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of, I guess for me, survive and avoid the racism mm -hmm. and the bullying. Um, we just talked about it, so we'd like to have another just episode dedicated to experiences I think we can really build from our own struggles by sharing it and I really respect you for sharing that. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that but I 
it's it's definitely an experience that we can all relate to like I feel like we've all experienced that Mm -hmm. at school especially so yeah again thank you for sharing that I'm pretty sure like it will echo like everyone's sentiments and yeah in some way though like I am grateful you know that this happened because it really did teach me like hey like open your eyes yeah like open your eyes like this is what people think and you should say something because when this happened like in class like in sage up i didn't say anything because i was too shook i guess like i was so surprised yeah for sure and to be honest i didn't even think that it was a big deal until that same night I was having supper with my parents and I guess my mom realized that something was up because I wasn't really talking and I was just eating my food and all this time I didn't really think it was a big deal but then my mom she asked me and she was like hey Charles are you okay and then all of a sudden like I just started crying in the middle of like supper because I was just yeah and it's like it's things like this that you don't realize because I guess you're so used to Mm. you're, you're so used to being exposed to to racist um experiences like this that you you think you just kind of like push under the rug and you think it's not a big deal but it really does yeah impact you and I didn't realize until my mom asked me how embarrassing like the whole encounter made me feel and to this day like I still remember it and you know like I said I am grateful because that motivates me to and it just like guides me in whatever I'm doing you know yeah for sure and hopefully like after listening to this and whatever is going on in the world like people will be encouraged to speak out you know Mm -hmm. and um against these kind of remarks that are super hurtful and traumatic too so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I love it it's like awareness is the first step and now you're just speaking out is the next step to really just breaking these patterns right Mm -hmm. so again I'm really grateful you shared that we're like, yeah, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to recall other experiences because there's so many to just talk about. But... Did you want to add anything before no, we go I, to the next one? I think we're good. That was a nice we're topic to, to go through. <laughs> so, Chelsea, um, <laughs> so we're, we're moving on now to a segment called Fastball Questions. Basically, you have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can at the sound at of Shari's buzzer whenever she's ready. Oh my god. Okay, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a test. Oh, hold on. Ads again. All these apps, they all yep. have ads now. We're not funded right now, so we're getting a lot we're of ads. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's give this a try. I hear that loud and clear. Okay. Okay, are you ready, Chelsea? I'm ready. Okay. Are, are you ready, Terry? Let's go. All right. Ready, set, go. First Tagalog word that comes to mind. Oh, my tae. <laughs> Favorite Filipino food? Sinigang. Go-to karaoke song? Um, any high school musical song, but right now I can think of Bop Bop Baby. <laughs> Favorite spot in Montreal? Um... Shoot the um, the Mont Royal lookout. Name a Filipino dish that starts with the first letter of your first name. Uh, it's not a dish; it's a snack. But chicharron. Mm. 
<laughs> when I say greatest of all time, who do you think about? Kanye. Langonisa or Tosino? Langonisa. Favorite old school jam? Um, the Break Me Up Buttercup. What's on your Netflix right now? Uh, when They See Us. Spell your last name backwards. Oh, no. I, um, I, no, okay. That <laughs> <I tried. laughs> was not easy. Sorry, my bad. Also, you should try, though. You should try. One second. If you can. <laughs> Onatrapiska. What? How you like sounded it out instead of uh, <laughs> spelling it? <laughs> oh my god! Wait, I misunderstood. Oh, you spell it out. Okay, I can do that. That's cool too, though. Hey, say your last name. Yeah, that, that was really cute. We'll you take that. that. We'll, we'll, take, we'll take that. Yeah, louder. But I'm um, also as a disclaimer, um, I don't know many Tagalog words. So that explains my ta'e response earlier. If I can hey, myself. Let, let me share with you that I think 90% of our guests have said a bad word as a first word okay. that they thought Yours of. was pretty unique, I will say. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you're, wondering, if you're wondering why there's an explicit content tag on this podcast, <laughs> it's always because of that freaking question. <laughs> Uh, Chelsea, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before closing this episode, we'd like to ask you if, if there's an organization or a person you'd love to give a shout out to. Yes, of course. Um, first, firstly, um, I know we talked about it before, um, but I always lo love to plug Baha'i. <laughs> um, As you should. Thank you. Um, so we are an organization that aims to promote Asian representation um, and Asian representation in the entertainment industry and music in industry and Baha'i means home in Tagalog. And so we're basically like, we try to be the home for Asian creatives in the diaspora. Mm. Um, yeah, that's one. Um, secondly, um, a few friends and I are organizing a get together um, for the March Against Police Brutality and Racism. Um, that's happening tomorrow. So the march itself starts at 10.30, but a few friends and I are uh, meeting up in Chinatown. Um, I'm gonna give you guys the link if you guys can like maybe post the Facebook page um, with all yeah. the details. But um, this is basically just a Montreal call to actions to all the Asians in Montreal. Um, I personally couldn't attend the last March last Sunday um but my friends were saying how there was a lack of asians um present at the march um which was really disappointing because now more than ever we need to show our allyship to the black community they have paved the way for so much for a lot of the things that we, we benefit from today um whether or not you know this you realize it mm -hmm. that's that's a fact and you can um you can refer to so many resources and so many um, articles that will say that. And so, yeah, so we just, yeah, I guess we wanted to gather as many Asian people at Chinatown and we can walk all together to the march to show our allyship and our support to the black community. So yeah, if you guys can make That's that. That's amazing. I'm gonna try and make that. 
Definitely oh, I'm going to be there. So I'll probably see you in Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> and to all listeners, if, if we have listeners, be great to, <laughs> it would be great to meet you guys in person. Um, yeah. So on behalf of Filipinos of Montreal, thanks, Chelsea. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me. Also, if I can yeah. shout out another page. Sure. Go. And I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but honestly, I have been following your page, like Filipinos of Montreal, yeah. <laughs> a while now. Wait, if you're watching this, it's because you're already maybe following Filipinos of Montreal, but if you're not, great content. Okay, you guys should follow them. Too kind. Too kind. Oh my so God. So nice. <laughs> Thanks, Chelsea. Thanks again. And on behalf of all of us, we out. <laughs>